Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Can we give them a hand? All right. Thanks, man. All right. I want you guys to reach in there and get you however big a handful you want. Oh, she's not just grabbing handfuls. She's going for the specific ones. All right. Awesome. Can you get enough for your for your brother and sister, too, all right? All right. <laughs> this is Christmas chocolate, so that's cool. Yeah, awesome. All right, good job, guys. Good job. Awesome. Give them one more hand. It's amazing. All righty. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was a good verse. Um, David... My, my son David, is, is um, he goes to Christian school, and, and they had him memorize that verse uh, recently, and it just really touched my heart. You know, it says, it says give thanks in everything. It's the will of, the, of God and Christ Jesus for you, and, and we just celebrated Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is definitely one of the more important holidays, not just because of pounds of mashed potatoes and gravy, which... I think is the most important part of Thanksgiving meal, but but for us to be people who have who who are intentional with having thankful hearts is a real important thing. So, um, I I just think that we need to take a, a little focus today since we didn't get to meet last Sunday in person. Um, I probably would have focused on being thankful then, but um, but I, I just feel like. The Lord wants us to focus on this right now. Um, I, I don't think that anybody in our church has any, any problems with being thankful people by nature, but I think it's important that we, uh, that we focus on the intentionality of that. Um, you know, it, it can be easy for us to, especially in hard times, for us to focus on, uh, you know, the negative things that's going on in, in our lives or in the world around us. You know, I think one of the most common things I've heard this whole year is, 2020 and and then it always has some negative tag to it and uh, yeah there's a lot of junk going on in 2020 um, and we can say a lot of jokes and they're funny and stuff but I think that God really likes it when people can find the good and and acknowledge those things as well um, there is there is a lot of craziness in our world like we've never seen before right now and and stirred up since the first of this year and it's just gotten crazier and so you don't have to look hard to find that the levels of anger are are high levels of offense are high there's animosity between people groups and different polarized positions on things it's created so much division it's crazy and i want to tell you guys that um the lord loves it when people are experiencing or are in the environment of things that are demonically motivated. He loves it for us to really push into the opposite spirit, the opposite spirit. And so, you know, we talk about bringing heaven to earth 
and we talk about you know, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that when we see things that don't look like heaven, that it's actually our job as people who are seated in heavenly places to release the virtues of heaven into the environment around us. And we're bringing an opposite, opposite spirit. I want to say that the opposite spirit isn't a, it's not a determined idea, this is happening, so let me figure out what the opposite is and counteract it. The opposite spirit actually is the initial grounded spirit. It's, that's the spirit that has the virtue that comes from the eternal God, okay? The opposite spirit. And so the opposite spirit of the anger and the animosity and, and all these divisive things, part of that really has to do with unity, has to do with encouragement and thankfulness, okay? Thankfulness is a real um, opposite spirit to a lot of the stuff that's happening in the world around us. And so we need to be intentional to lift one another up in Christ, all right? One of our core values is called honor affirms value. And we talk about um, a culture of honor. And we, and a cultures, you know, they, they have to be created. They've got to be, and it takes a lot of work to shift a culture, but we, we're trying to sow into overflow and, and just the kingdom around us, a culture of honor. Uh, honor affirms value. So you can show value to people by how you honor them or how you dishonor them shows the value in a, in a negative sense. Um, the last few weeks I've been talking a lot about the body of Christ and about the church and God's perspective on the church. And last week I, I gave a message called God's crucial view of the church. And I, I mentioned on there that I was really hesitant to give that message because I wanted to reserve it for a time when we've got the whole family together. And, uh, but I felt like God told me to do it. And, you know, if you guys didn't hear that message, like I, I want to encourage you to please go back and hear it because I, I really feel that it's something that um, that's a, it's a prime message in God's heart that I feel like is super important for us to to really press into, not just to hear, but to actually put it into practice, to, to let it, um, to renew our minds with it and to, and to activate ourselves according to the things that were taught in that message. Um, one of the important things about, about God's crucial view of the church and us recognizing how, how vital the body of Christ is, um, we need to do really good at pressing into that and how we relate to one another is a real key piece to that, to that actually happening. In the, in the New Testament, in the Greek, the word church, which actually is only mentioned, I believe, two times in the Gospels. It's in the book of Matthew, the word church. And then it's not mentioned again until, I believe, the fourth chapter of the book of Acts. And then it mentioned, mentioned dozens of times after that. But the, the Greek word for church is ekklesia. And the word ekklesia, the church, it's not limited to our concept of Sunday morning service time. It includes that. And it's important. The, the gathering of, of regular connection points of worshiping and fellowshipping and getting in the word and, and growing spiritually and feasting together is important, but the word ecclesia is way bigger than our scheduled meeting times. 
as we all know, it's way bigger than um, just the building. Obviously, the building has absolutely nothing to do with it except uh, an encasing to keep us sheltered from the elements. But uh, just as much as the, uh, a house is not the family, it's the people, right? And it's the church. Uh, the ecclesia, it's, it's the body. It's the living organism of Christ's body on this earth. Um, it's, it's the family of God. It's, it's a body. It's a family. It's the church. Okay? And so how the church, how the people of the church relate to one another is going to really impact the strengthening of the church. Um, Jesus said that, that you will, you will, the, the, the world will know you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. That's a good word. And we need to be people, we need to be the most honoring and honorable people that this world has ever seen. And I think there's room to grow there for a lot of the church, and I'd say for myself. But, but we need to put ourselves into that, that growing and the maturing of that. Amen? An- another word that's really important in the New Testament regarding the church and, and the strengthening of that is a, is a word called koinonia. It's a Greek word, koinonia. It, it, that word is translated fellowship. The word fellowship um, it re- makes reference to people gathering together and, and get, being together. But I think that a lot of times people can have the concept of fellowship if we don't go deep enough with it from a spirit level. Um, we, we could be no more than just a, a club or just a gathering of people in a body hanging out together. All right. Koinonia, um, it's, it's way deeper than that. It, koinonia is not just games and movies and parties and hang times. It does include that because it's important. You know, we, we need to have fun and adventure. That helps stimulate connection. But if that's all it is, the world without Christ does really well with that. Koinonia, the world, the people of the world cannot accomplish koinonia. Okay? So if we're just doing the things that anybody can do with Christ not present, that's not what this is actually referring to. So koinonia... Um, it is really a concept of we're, we're giving and receiving from one another. It's, it's life on life. It's, it's I, when we get around each other, it is life producing. It, I, I'm benefiting from your spirit being poured into me. You're benefiting from my spirit being poured into you. Amen. It's a life-giving relationship. Um, some some concepts about how you can actually stimulate koinonia would be um, go, when you get together, you know, having the posture of these questions in mind. Like, how can I help you deepen in your relationship with Jesus? Like, that should be like the most basic, fundamental thing that should be happening amongst Christians in relational connection is how are we stimulating one another in their relationship with Jesus? Some of the most powerful times I have with people are when, like, like I, do like, I do like the games and the food and, and the fun times, but when, when you start sharing, like, what's God doing in your life? 
Like when I get to hear what God's doing in your life or how is God revealing himself to you in this season? What are the things that he's speaking to you through the word and through your, through your prayer life? What's God showing you in this time? Those things feed me. And, and like you, you get stimulating this conversation and it's like when you hear something, you can add to that. Like, man, yeah, and, I, and the Lord's been showing me this and it goes with that. And we start like interacting and you start feeling the presence of the Lord. You start feeling the, the spirit stirring within you when you're connecting with one another. That's koinonia. It includes the holistic picture of all of it. But if it's not centered in Christ and in stimulating growth and health from a spirit and then a soul level, then if it's not centered on that, it's not koinonia. It's just it's just hang time. Does that make sense? Like like having the heart that when you get together with somebody like doesn't mean it has to all be super spiritual the whole time. No, it doesn't. But, but if it never experiences those times where you're encountering the Lord together, where you're, you're praying for one another, you're praying into breakthroughs, or you're praying to seek the face of the Lord, or worshiping together, like the Lord is glorified when we do these things. And it actually edifies our spirits and the spirits of one another, and it strengthens that bond and that connection in Christ together. Does that make sense? So, like, having the mentality of when I get around brothers and sisters, like, I want to know, is there a way that I can help them leave better than when we came together? Or, or how can I leave better than when I showed up, the, when, we, when we connected? Like, I don't want to just connect with people and leave unchanged. I want, I want there to be change. I want there to be substance that was transferred into one another that adds to each other. You guys hear my heart? That's koinonia. How can I inspire you? Like asking these questions. How can I inspire fire in your heart that will stir you up to want to do something to impact the world or the kingdom of God? Like, like when you get around people that you leave feeling, man, more motivated to, to enter into your calling and the giftings that God's put in you, that's koinonia. These are the kind of relationships that God wants to stimulate. And actually, he's not stimulating it. He's waiting for us. It takes responsibility on our part. It's an it's a active approach, an intentional approach to relationship that goes deeper than the surface. How can I encourage your heart? Like being proactive to look for ways that I, I want somebody after I've spent some time with them for them to actually feel uplifted by me. I, I added something to them that made them actually leave feeling stronger, feeling more secure, feeling better about themselves, feeling loved. Amen. I want to read through some verses because what I really want to go after today is focusing on a, on a culture of encouragement and, and, thanks, and thankfulness, okay? And particularly towards one another. Like we, we, can be, we need to be thankful to the Lord, but I feel like people lack healthy doses of, of being imparted to encouragement and, th- and, and gratitude. Does that make sense? I think people, there's a lot of people who um, maybe 
without even realizing it, or maybe they do, are, are more depressed than we might see on the outside. I think depression is a huge thing. People might feel empty or feel alone more than we can see on the outside, but having an intentionality that I want you to feel cared for, I want you to feel loved, I want you to feel celebrated more than before this engagement happened, this, this moment that we had together. You guys hear me? I'm going to read through some verses. I'll probably, I don't think I'm speaking for a real long time this morning, uh, but I want to go after these things and just, uh, and, and I don't think this stuff's rocket science. I think it's just focusing in on things that we need to cultivate and, and hone in on. First Thessalonians chapter 5, um, it, it's the context of this chapter is the fact that, uh, that we're looking for the day that Jesus is going to return. The end of chapter 4, it talks about how, how the dead are going to rise first, and we're going to meet Christ in the clouds. I, I'm excited about that. And, and we don't know when it's going to happen. I can say that according to some, some end-time theologies, everything that's going on in the world right now could be pointing to that. I don't know. I don't know. We're not going to take a, a bailout approach to things where we're trying just to get the heck out of here. We want to we live lives of purpose until the very end. And we want to see the kingdom come till the very end. And I don't know what's going to happen between now and the day that Jesus comes. All I know is we're going to keep pushing into the Great Commission and we're going to see heaven established on this earth. But with that said, so, so 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5 talks about that, and it, it, it kind of has some context of things are going to be hard, there's going to be trials, and that we need to be solid and secure in Christ and grounded so that we will thrive to the very end, that we're people of light, not darkness, and so we get to live from the light and live in victory and, and the goodness of God. So in that context, 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says this, Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another. It says, therefore. When it says, therefore, you need to look at what it's there for. All right? It, the, this verse is there for a solution to the preceding verses. Okay? So in the context of that Jesus is coming back, there's going to be trials in this world, and we're of the light, not the darkness, so we have hope. But it's saying that we need to comfort one another, and that we need to edify one another, just as you also are doing. So he actually is crediting them. You're already doing it. Let's be intentional and keep doing it. Let's, let's make sure that we continue doing this. Let's comfort one another. Let's edify one another. Okay, comfort, you know, that, that's just that we're, we're, we're loving people. We're helping them to see hope in situations, and we're covering them. We want them to feel covered and secure when things might not feel secure around them. Edify, that word actually means to build up, to build up. To, to, it's like you're... It's like you're building, you're, you're strengthening somebody. If you can imagine building a building, like you're adding to it, you're doing work to construct it, to make it solid and secure. And, and we need to look at one another and find ways that we can build on one another. We can build one another up so that they're solid 
and secure because of what we're adding to them. Does that make sense? We want to lift people up. We want to strengthen them. We want to help them be grounded and, and unshakable because of what we're adding to their lives. All right? Edify. Edify one another. Find ways to, to encourage them. Find ways to speak strength to them. Find ways to, um, like, like actually, this actually takes, not, I don't just want to use the word intentionality. It takes uh, an intentional discerning of one another. A discerning that, that doesn't just keep our eyes on me, myself, and I, and my issues, and my accomplishments, and the things I've got to do. It means I have to actually put myself to the side and observe the life of those around me to see what is going on around them, to see how they need to be comforted, how they need to be built up and strengthened. Because the way that we edify, the way that we comfort, really needs to be directly related to where that person's actual need is to be comforted and strengthened. So it means looking past ourselves, observing the lives of one another, making effort to be aware of one another, and then intentionally crafting our words, crafting how we're going to invest ourselves into the people's lives around us to make it beneficial to what their current situation is. That is good. That was kind of coming to me right there as I was saying it. So we, have, we actually have the power, and this is crazy. I want you to think about this. We have the power given to us by God to provide comfort and build one another up. Like you actually have the ability by Christ to impact the outcomes of somebody else's life. That's amazing. That, that means that you carry more power than you probably realize. It also means that God entrusts you with the care of one another. And, you know, I, I just thought about this. Like, um, I think it was Abel. No, Cain, God asked him where his brother was. And he said, who, who am I? Am I, am I my brother's keeper? Like, no, we're not supposed to be our brother's keeper, but we do need to be aware of one another. And, and that's one of the things I hate the most about, about this, these quarantines is um, it keeps people in their homes. It keeps people separated. It keeps people scared to come, which, by the way, we're getting past all this stuff, and it's, it's not going to be dangerous in our environment. I want to declare that right now. People are being wise. They're not bringing that stuff into our environment. I don't, want us to, I don't want us to walk in fear like we need to press into one another. But, uh, but um, we, we just need to really be aware of one another. And the only way to be aware is to be intentionally in the environment with one another. And not just a body present, but a heart present, a heart observing, a heart looking into one another and caring selflessly. Can I hear an amen? amen. Proverbs 18, 21. This is a, this is a, flag, a flagging uh, verse right here that the body of Christ loves, and I love it. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And, and that's a powerful verse because we need to know the, the, we speak power. 
into the atmosphere. We speak power into hearts and into minds, into the spirit realm. We speak power, and it can be life power. It can be death power, and based on what, what we're saying. And Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, you know, what we're filling our hearts with is what's coming out of us, and that's what we're speaking. And we can be, we can be speaking praises, and we can be speaking curses. We can be speaking edification, and we can be speaking gruntled or disgruntled complaints. And, and we're releasing power, okay? And we choose what power we release by what we speak. And that's why we, that's why we do a lot of declarations around here, because we, we're not just trying to do mental games, mind games, or, or we're not just doing it for religious fun, you know. <laughs> I don't, actually, I don't think religion is ever fun. But, uh, you know, declaring things, it's not, it's not just for religious um, chanting or whatever. It's, it's that we're agreeing with things that God has spoken in the Word, agreeing with His promises, and declaring them out. And faith comes by hearing and hearing of the Word of God. And when we declare things out, it actually releases power into the environment, into the situation that we speak into. So think about this, the power that comes from our words. What are we saying to our brothers and sisters? Or what are we saying about our brothers and sisters, even when they can't hear it? What are we releasing into the atmosphere? What are we releasing into the other people's minds and hearts who are hearing the things that we're saying about somebody else? Because we're stimulating something. We're stimulating life or we're stimulating death. But, but we can choose to, to craft our words and align it with God's power to release comfort and edification, the building up of one another if we, if we choose to. Ephesians 4.29 is a very powerful verse. I love this one. It says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, building one another up, edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. I want you guys to hear that because we get to choose words that are, that are in agreement with God, His truth and His heart. The words that we speak actually have the power to impart, that means to transfer into someone grace to those who hear it. Grace. And grace is the, is the favor of the Lord and it's the divine enablement to do things that we can't do on our own strength. So we can actually speak words into people who will hear it and, and release divine supernatural power into them to give them strength to do what they might not have been able to do before you said it. I don't know about you, but I've had times when people, especially ones that I really look up to, that speak into me courage or speak into me belief in times when I'm feeling really low or I'm feeling doubtful about how I'm doing or what my potential is. And somebody comes and speaks into me says, you got what it takes. You, you can, you're, you're, God, is, God has made you to be a, a world changer. You are a born leader. 
Like when people say those things when I'm not feeling good, I start feeling strengthened and it starts lifting me up. And I can tell you this, when, my, when Jessica says something to me that speaks affirmation, especially when I'm not feeling it, I feel after that, I leave feeling like I'm on top of the world and I, could, and I can change this world. There you go, babe. I want you to know that. She's watching right now. Um, it, it, but words that impart grace to the hearers. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. Your words can actually build one another up. It can strengthen. It can reinforce people. It can impart courage. When it says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, if you think about the power of what our, our good words can do for people, edifying, building up, imparting grace to them to empower them to do what they couldn't do before, what do, corrupt, what do corruptive words do? What do negative words do to people? The exact opposite. It, it, it tears down. It belittles. It makes people who might have had some measure of confidence leave feeling less confident. It, it can actually, where, where words that can impart grace, edification, can impart empowerment, words that are corrupt or negative can actually make people leave disempowered. Can make people, in a sense, be castrated of strength that they had. And, and so we need to choose. How are we going to talk to people? How are we going to talk about people? It makes a big difference. Amen? Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 13 says, Take care, brethren, that there not be, any, there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. He's talking to people who have holy and righteous hearts who are with God, saying that you actually could develop an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from Him. So, just because you're walking strong in the Lord right now doesn't mean you always will. It's, it's staying the course that, that makes the difference, right? But it goes on, it says, but, con- but encourage one another day after day, as long as it's still called today. What is today? What, what, when, when is today? It's today. Right now. We're, we're in the present right now. All right? So encourage one another day after day. As long as it's called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So this is, actually, this is actually inferring that people can be solid in Christ, but with the absence of encouragement and pressing into each other on a regular basis, hearts can actually become hardened and come into deceit and fall away from the Lord and become an unbelieving heart. It doesn't happen instantaneously. It's usually a gradual process. The, the, the more you're in the fellowship, the more you're doing koinonia, the more you're encouraging one another, the more strong you are, the closer you are to God, the more your heart is grounded in Christ and, and is staying connected to truth. But the more we disengage from fellowship, the, more we, the, the less we're hearing the, the encouragements, the building up, the edification, the fellowship, the koinonia, the more we stay away from that, the more our hearts start petering out. The more we start losing 
our, our momentum in Christ. The more we start having fruit that was on our branches start draining out and drying up over time. And, you know, it, it's really easy. I, I've seen it countless times, and it's happened in my own life. When, when I wasn't pressing into the community of the Lord around me, over time, I started getting more hardened, started getting more cynical, started getting more depressed. I started losing a, a passion and a fire for my calling in the Lord. started finding other things to fill those voids. It happens gradually, but it's sure to happen if you stay disconnected from not just church, but the, the, the koinonia within the church. The engagement, the active, intentional, putting yourselves into one another, building one another up, encouraging one another. Amen? So regular encouragement helps us stay engaged with the living God. It helps us stay soft in the heart as opposed to getting hardened. It helps us stay in the truth as opposed to getting into deception. It says, as long as it's still called today, be encouraging one another. Well, when is it going to stop being today? Because when you get to tomorrow, it's today again. So that means tomorrow, when tomorrow's today, encourage one another. When Tuesday becomes today, encourage one another. Amen? Don't wait for another more convenient time to push into relationship, fellowship, koinonia, life-giving interactiveness with one another. Don't wait for a more, in, a more convenient time. It's a right now word. It's always, when, when it's the most inconvenient, it's still today at that point. It's a right now word. Come on. We're moving along here. Hebrews 10, 23-25 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. There's that declaring thing again. The words that come out of our mouth change the worlds around us. Amen. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together. Again, so important, isn't it? As it is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. There's that word again, encouraging one another. All the more as you see the day drawing near. So that's not just saying encourage one another. It's saying increase how much you're encouraging one another as you draw closer to the day of the Lord. So how many of you guys would say that this world is probably more intensified right now than it ever has in our lives? So as we see the day approaching, all the more we need to be drawing near to one another and to the Lord and encouraging one another, not forsaking the assembling together. And, and stim, this says we can stimulate one another towards love and good deeds. So we have the power by how we invest ourselves into one another, how we speak to one another. We have the power to edify, the power to stimulate in one another love and good works. Like you actually have the power to determine somebody else's fruitfulness in their destiny in Christ by the way that you invest yourself into them. 
And your destiny is influenced by those that you surround yourself with who are pouring themselves into you. We need to pour our lives into one another so that we can help influence and stimulate destiny, love, and good works. Come on. It's a good word. So we need to keep confessing and declaring our hope because he who promises faithful and doing this over ourselves and over one another. So if you see somebody struggling or you see somebody, maybe, maybe they could use a new dose of, uh, of a hope upgrade level. Confess hope over them. So important. Stay in fellowship and in the assembling together. I'm just reading back through this. We have the power to influence one another, to love and do good deeds. We, we can impart strength to endure hardship and get to the promise. Okay? We all need more encouragement if things get more crazy in this world. And that's the only way we're going to get through it, thriving. And by the way, we are thriving. And we're going to continue to thrive. And we're going to see an increase of the momentum of God's kingdom being manifested in our midst. And it's not going to be determined by what's going on in the world around us. But it's going to require us to stay grounded and rooted in the love of Christ and in truth and connected with the fellowship, the koinonia, with one another to get through this victoriously. You will not be able to do it on your own. Amen? Psalms 119, 28. The psalmist says, My soul melts with hev- or from heaviness. Has anybody ever felt like your soul is melting from heaviness? It says, strengthen me according to your word. So a soul that's being melted under heaviness can actually become strengthened again by the word of God speaking over the soul. And, and just like David said in Psalms 23, when he, when he makes me rest beside the still waters, it says he restores my soul. And, and we can actually release the virtues of the soul restoration to one another even as we release encouragement and strength and edification, even when people are melting under heaviness. Come on. My last verse here, and then I'm going to start moving towards wrapping up here. Joshua 1, 9. I love this one. One of our prophetic words over overflow from the very beginning has been God saying this promise to us. Possess the land that I have given to you as an inheritance. And God told that to Moses, and God, and he was speaking it to Israel as they were going through 40 years in the wilderness, but they came to the point when they reached the Jordan River that was going to divide the wilderness from the promised land. And the torch got passed from Moses to Joshua to take the army in and to go crush the enemies that were, that were between them and the promise that God had given to them. All right? So as they're getting ready to go into this, and Joshua is about to start going into some battles, this is what God said to him. Joshua 1.9, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. There is nothing more encouraging than to know that no matter what you're facing or the battles that you're about to go into, God's with you 
and he's going to get you through to the other side with victory and, and everything's going to happen as it needs to by crushing through the enemy. But we only do it by his power, his strength, not by ours. That's why we need that the grace to be imparted to us, grace that gives us divine enablement to do what we can't do, but he goes with us everywhere we go. That word, be strong and of good courage, do not be afraid or dismayed. That, that's, he's actually imparting courage into him so that he will not go into this with fear. Imparted courage. That's what encouragement does. Encouragement means imparting courage. It lifts a person up and it makes them feel better, but it also gives them courage and strength to go forward into the things that maybe they feared. Come on. Encouragement directs us away from discouragement. That's a good word. So just to, just to bring this to a, a conclusion here, I want to just say a few things here. We need to break, and, and if anybody has this in your own life, or if it's just in a general thing in the culture, whether it's in our church or not, you know, what, regardless, we need to break a critical spirit. We need to break critical spirit because that brings destruction. It tears, it, it tears one another down. It tears ourselves down. Got to break a critical, critical spirit. Critical spirit focuses more on what is lacking or failing than what is going good. Critical spirit focuses more on the half empty than the half full and it, it makes a person feel like they're not measuring up. A critical spirit can tend to be perfectionistic, that until you have completed things fully and the best you possibly can, it's not worth giving note to. It's not worth celebrating until you've completed it perfectly. Critical spirit compares people and sizes people up. And it's measuring, are you good enough or not? A critical spirit is a complaining spirit. It's a murmuring spirit. In, in, the, in the book of Exodus, you can read the story of the Israelites who were not pleased with Moses all the time. And they, the Bible calls it murmuring. They were talking bad about him and gossiping. And, and God hated it so much, he actually... He actually killed a huge part of the population just to silence the voice that was sowing discord into his holy nation. And thankfully, that's not how God's going to handle things in 2020, I don't think. But, uh, but, but murmuring is not okay. It's, it is divisive, and it causes problems. Gossiping is not okay. So those are critical spirit manifestations. But we're, we're people who go after the opposite spirit. Amen? And I'm about to be done. <laughs> we're, uh, opposite spirit means that we are people who are going to celebrate the good that is there. We're going to be a people who, even if you see not so good things, that we're going to focus in on things that we can encourage and edify in one another. We like to call it calling out the gold. We, we like to go gold mining in one another, and that can happen with prophecy 
but it should happen even more with just an encouraging spirit that, that looks into one another and finds things that I can draw out to the surface and say, hey, this is beautiful about you. This is quality about you. Knowing that there's plenty of dirt around there, nobody needs to focus on that because they know it's there. But that's not what's going to strengthen a person. But when we can call those things out, it actually reinforces their self-value in that thing. And it helps give security and strength to push into that thing and push in and grow into it to become greater in that thing. And the more we become greater in the gold, the more the dirt gets filtered out anyway. Praise the Lord. We, we need to be people who... who Give people grace for not being to that perfected place yet. Like maybe there's a distance, but let's, let's celebrate how far they've come. Amen? Giving people the benefit of the doubt instead of presuming something not so great about them. One thing that, that I was taught by Steve Backlund that has changed me, because I grew up a perfectionist, and I, I didn't feel good about any of my accomplishments and unless I became excellent at them, which was pretty rare for anything for me. But, and so I had a pretty negative view of myself. And Steve taught me this phrase, learn how to celebrate incremental successes. Don't wait till you get to the end of the thing that you're trying to do to say, now it's good. When there's that, that 30 mile journey to get to that place. No, that journey is what got you to that place. That journey needs to be celebrated, not the arrival. So if, you, if you're moving towards victory and you get one step forward, even though you're not fully there, that one step needs to be celebrated. You did amazing. You're not where you were before. That's awesome. You are advancing in your life right now. You did that much, you can do the next step. You do more steps, there's nothing to stop you from going all the way. That's some healthy, victorious mentality right there. Celebrate incremental successes. We need to give people a clean slate and not hold them to the standard of somebody else. Like, let's not be comparing people with somebody else. Let's, let's find where they're at, celebrate them where they're at, and trust that God's growing them. And, and we're going to see awesome results. And let me tell you, the more we do this, the more we're going to see fruit come forth in one another's life. If we, if we want Overflow Church, for example, to look like in the spirit a well-watered garden, a lush garden of Eden, we need to call it the gold in people. We need to, we need to see the virtues and, and call it forth and celebrate it. We need to, we need to stimulate these things in one another because it's going to help bear fruit and will become something way greater than we even are right now because we stimulated it in one another. But it's going to take all of us pushing into this together, pushing in to one another. Koinonia, to be the ecclesia, the body of Christ, who is built up through koinonia, the fellowship, the life-giving fellowship, the, the intentionality of gratitude towards one another expressing thankfulness for one another, expressing encouragement. This is what I value about you. Come on. Amen. So, with that said, I'm going to give everybody an assignment. And I want to even encourage those of you who are in here 
to do this, take a couple of minutes before we leave the building, but um, I'm going to give us an assignment to, to be real intentional. Find someone that you think could use some encouragement, and it could be your own spouse or your kids or, or siblings or whoever, people you live with or work with, within the next day. Tell them three things that you really appreciate about them. Tell them three things, and you can go beyond three. Minimum, three. This is something I value about you. This is something that I love about you. This is something I'm thankful for about you. And just exercise the muscle of, of doing this. I need to do it more myself. And I just, I just want to see this get cultivated in the culture of this church because that, that's going to make this thriving, guys. This is a key. What I'm saying today is a key to becoming the church that we all dream of us becoming. All right? All right, I love you guys. I'm going to wrap this up now. Lord, help us to see one another with your eyes. Help us to see your value for the the church, the ecclesia. Help us to recognize what true koinonia is, Lord, and give us the grace to stimulate this amongst one another, that we'll be people who have relationships where you, that when you get together, you leave strengthened more than when you showed up. Bless this day, Lord God. I ask you to bless our church. Bless this week. My Lord, please help us find a place to meet next week. <laughs> We're almost done with having to fish around, guys, for locations. We're almost there. Lord, help us to find a place in Jesus' name, but, but please don't let us lose momentum of, of the family koinonia and the mission that you've given us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.